This week on the Hab Forum, once again, we're being COVID-friendly and doing it remotely, even though we only live a few steps apart. But we're here to do it anyways. We've got some news. We've got Max Domi back at practice. Finally, decided he's going to participate in the uh, the upcoming games, which is uh, exciting news for the Canadians, or at least the Habs fans uh, that want the Canadians to win. It's exciting news for the others, maybe not as much. Uh, we have the Selkie nominations. Our boy Daniel wasn't nominated, but some uh, voters have reported they voted for him. So that's, uh, that's good to hear. Some more talk about training camp, and we have a great interview with Eric Engels today to get to eventually, and of course, some Twitter questions. As always, follow us on Twitter, at the Habs Forum, ask us your questions, and we'll be happy to address them. But first, Dustin, I believe we are brought to you by someone. That's right. Still brought to you by Manscaped.com. So go to Manscaped.com to check out their uh, great man grooming products, including the Lawnmower 3.0, and use promo code HabsForum to get 20% off your purchase and free shipping. We both got the uh, both got the packages ourselves and uh, and loving it so far. Definitely great products, guys, especially with the uh, you know the summer and that uh, you can always use. Uh, some extra grand if you're if you're not as COVID friendly as we are, and uh, and you're looking for a date, well, and even sometimes just for yourself, you know, it's nice to, just to uh, treat to yourself. But, but exactly, you, know, you you see, you know, if you feel feel fresh, you're gonna, you know, it's uh, it's definitely gonna help your game, guys. <laughs> All right, so let's uh, let's get into it. So yeah, the the, the big news uh, coming out uh, today is that Max Domi. Uh, decided he, because for those that don't know, Max Domi uh, was given a little bit more time to make his decision on whether or not he wanted to uh, participate because of his uh, his uh, diabetes that he has. He ma- makes him a bit more at risk uh, to play if uh, if he does get COVID uh, nineteen. But this this is not surprising to me at all. Like Ma- Max Domi doesn't. I would have been shocked, honestly. Uh, not that I, it's a decision that I would kind of judged him for if he did make it but i would have been surprised if if a player like him would have been okay with sitting out uh of this from this opportunity especially when you consider he has a contract uh potential potentially on the table so he's at practice and it looks like he's gonna play yeah definitely i mean i I don't think you could you know i don't think there any player would deserve any hate whatsoever if um you know if if they didn't want to play um, given the current situation, but I mean Max Domi even more so, of course, because uh, obviously with his uh, with with the diabetes, it makes him even more at risk than uh, than any uh, anyone else. So I mean, uh, but like you mentioned, I mean, as if there's no real scare or any too much of a scare, if there's not too much of a chance that I mean, you know, we all expected Max Domi to be in there. And I mean, Claude Julien mentioned it today. If if the situation does change, then you know, potentially they might have to take Max, Max Domi out at some point. Hopefully that won't be the case. But, uh, I mean, good good to see him on the team for sure. And I'm sure he's definitely looking forward to it. Uh, I mean, especially, like you mentioned, uh, you know, it's, it's the end of his contract here at the end of the season, he's, he's looking to cash in for sure after maybe a bit of a disappointing season this season. Now, what is, what's interesting to me, so if you look at the line combinations that were posted by by John Liu on, uh, on Twitter at training camp, now, obviously, this was Domi's first day, so it's not surprising to see that he was on the kind of the extra line centering uh, Dauphin and Belzil. 
obviously that's not the where where Domi's going to end up. You know, if if he's suiting up, ready to play, he's going to be in the lineup on a, a, an actual line. But where where does he suit? Does he suit up at center? By by all accounts, Kutkiemi's been doing great. I mean, Suzuki has proven to be a good center. Dano obviously has his spot secured. Now this is all assuming everyone can play. Where does Domi slot on this team right now? Well, I mean, you got to figure he's going to be on that second line, regardless of what position he plays. He'll be most likely on that second line with Suzuki, and I would imagine probably Armia. Um, now, I mean, Suzuki, you know, by all accounts, has looked really good so far. He seems to have the trust of Claude Julien, but I mean, we all know Claude Julien. He likes to go with the experience. Is he, especially, you know, knowing that the Canadians are going up the uh, going up against the Penguins? in those two center lines, you know, with, with Crosby and Malkin, is he going to be tempted to use Domi, who's obviously a little bit more, uh, you know, not a rookie, he has a little bit more experience than Nick Suzuki, even though Nick Suzuki, you know, probably does deserve what the season he had being maybe the bright spot on the Canadians this season. But, uh, you know, I wouldn't be too surprised to see Domi getting some time at center there at some point. I don't know. I think during the season, uh, Suzuki and, and even Julien, this is was surprising to everyone at first because uh, he's more the type to to go for the veteran player. But right away, he trusted Suzuki in those difficult situations. And at this point, I think he might trust Suzuki as a center up against a Crosby or a Malkin more than Domi, regardless of the age difference or the experience difference. Because, of course, Domi has more years in the NHL, but he only has one year as a center. Uh, in the in the league, and I'm sure Domi played a lot of center uh, in in his younger years before he made it to the NHL. But it's it's not like he he doesn't like we all watch him play. We all can see that he's probably not meant to be a pure center. And I th- I think even Julien likes Suzuki better in that spot. So I think it's going to be on the wing where he he is going to be. And uh, I, that that is interesting with Armia uh, on on the other side. How it was today. I mean, you had Tatar with Wheel and Gallagher. Obviously, Wheel was just there as kind of a stand-in for for Dano, who was practicing uh, separately with uh, with a few other players, which we'll get to that a bit later. Then second line was Drouin, Suzuki, and Armia. And then third line, Lekkonen, Kotkaniemi, and Byron. So you think Domi slots in instead of Drouin on, on that second line, and then Drouin goes, drops down next to Kotkaniemi? Because I did like Drouin and Kotkaniemi for a bit at the beginning of the year, but Julien, he did not like that and got away from it very quickly. It's it's going to be uh, it's it's tough. I mean, obviously, you know, you could see him. I mean, Domi usually plays on the left wing, so you would think that he'll. And so does Dwayne. So you would think that he'll he'll probably take that spot on the left wing. Um, but I mean, are they going to go with Domi, uh, Domi Suzuki, and Dwayne? That that could be possible. But I mean, I think, like you said, I mean, Dwayne and and Kukiniemi, the limited time that they did have together, I mean, they they were pretty successful. And I know I'd love to see that. I know you would. And I'm sure a lot of Habs fans would like to see what Dwayne Kotkaniemi do I don't know do if he does that. What I'm wondering is if, if they don't put Domi next to Kotkaniemi instead with either Byron or, and Le- or Lekkonen on the other side. Or also, he has in the past shown to like to play Armia with Kotkaniemi. So I think that could be a possibility too. Maybe you have Armia, Domi, and then you have Suzuki with uh, with uh, Domi and uh and either Byron or Lekkonen or, or something along those lines. I, th- I think that that's very much up in the air, but I don't think we're going to see uh, a lot of Domi at center, personally. No? Well, I mean, uh, yeah, he, he really could slot into either the second or third line. I mean, I think, you know, certainly Drouin, I mean, depending, I mean, by all accounts, he's looked 
pretty good so far. I mean, obviously he dealt with that injury at the end of the season. Um, so, I mean, if he's, if he's good to go, I mean, him and Suzuki could, could definitely be a good combination there on the second line. But I mean, I think Domi and Suzuki have had pretty good moments this season as well. So, I mean, there's, there's certainly a lot of options. It'll be interesting to see how they, how it all pieces in, but I mean, hopefully Suzuki does get that chance to, uh, to be the second line center. And as far as cooking, I mean, I think e- either way with everyone healthy, you know, the, the, the most important thing is he's at least going to have some talented wingers with him, you know, be it Domi, be it Drouin, be it Armia, you know, guys that, that can put the, pa- uh, can put the puck in the back of the net. So it's going to be interesting to see what, what Kukinemi can do in this playoff sort of scenario and with some scoring scoring winning or something that he didn't really have at any well, point this season. He's the big difference in, in the depth chart right now compared to when the season ended because Kukinemi, obviously, as we all know, was in the AHL when uh, when the season ended. So then uh, at most of the time, if everyone was healthy, healthy, the three centers were kind of like Domi was still playing some center, and but you have you had Dan and Suzuki, but sometimes Domi would play with Suzuki. So if Kutkinemi is playing as well as having have good as a camp as he is having, and by all accounts he he's he's looking great, looking better than he did during the year. He's surging up the death chart. I mean, Dano said that his shot has looked amazing. He's working on this shot after every single game. So it sounds like Kutkinemi is kind of forcing him his way back into the lineup, and I think that's what makes the big big difference here on where where Domi slots in, right? Because you don't want to you don't want to stunt Kutkinemi's progression to put Domi where where he thinks he needs to be. So I I, I just I'm, I'm curious what, what Domi thinks about his role. If if would he prefer to be back at center? Is he happy going on the wing? Because he did see success at center last year. That's why I mean to, to to get back to what we've talked about multiple times on this podcast. When talking about the future of the Montreal Canadiens going to next year with Domi being a, a restrict, restricted free agent at the end of the year, it really does seem to me if you look at the, the the future of the team, Domi doesn't really slot in very well on on this squad personally. When I look at the potential of guys like Suzuki and Kutkinemi and what we know we have in uh, in Dano at center. I just, I just think he's kind of the odd man out at this point. I mean, obviously he'll play this year, but I just think I just mean moving forward. Yeah, well, I definitely think that's true. I mean, it, it, definitely not at center. Because, I mean, like, like you said, I mean, I think we're pretty set at center um, for the long term. And, I mean, certainly with Dano, Suzuki now has proven at least last season or this season or whatever that, that he can play center and cooking Yemi as well. I mean, he's he's had a lot of flashes, even though he had a bit of a down season last season. Those are going to be your three guys. And, obviously, I mean, don't forget about Ryan Paling either. Um, so obviously Max Domi, I don't think he really has a spot at center, regardless of, of you know, of the situation. I mean, I, I think maybe if he could potentially slot in at uh, at left wing, you know, maybe he could be a long-term solution. But I mean, with the season that he had last season, well, not you know, not this season, but last season, obviously he had a great season. He's going to be looking to cash in, um, you know, at the end of this season with his new deal with being an RFA. He, going to look to cash in and uh, you know I think he's going to ask for a lot of money and it's going to be tough for the Canadians to squeeze him in especially with a lot of other deal or, or players that they're going to have to be in the, in the near term like Thomas Tatar, Jeff Petrie, Philip yeah. Deno so it's it, it is going to be hard to squeeze him in. Especially if the Hurricanes decide to uh, to send him an offer sheet as retaliation for last year which uh, which I think could be kind of funny honestly because we could, might end up getting more return than we should have we should get from him. Oh yeah, well yeah, probably. I, I don't think they're gonna do that. I, I mean, you know, they talk a big game, but do they really it would be pretty funny. It? It, it would be, <laughs> I'm sure. Like the the owner obviously seemed pretty pissed about it last season when the Canadians went after Aho. 
But uh, I, I, I mean, I'd be surprised, but yeah, it would definitely be pretty funny. I, I, I don't think it'll actually happen either. I mean, especially given the the current situation of the of the league as far as as money goes, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of owners of of, of certain markets, especially, uh, but if not all owners, uh, even not just for money wise, but for cap wise, are kind of might be hesitant to 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 dish out huge contracts. And I think people like Max Domi might be. Uh, a little disappointed at the kind of contracts they're going to get offered. He might not end up being very happy with what the Canadians offer, but I don't know if he'd get that much better uh, elsewhere. I just don't think big money is going to be there for, for, for players like that. We don't know where the cap's going in the next few... I mean, it's 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 likely going to be stagnant for a while. So, I mean, it would be a huge mistake, I think, to put a huge chunk of that money into into Max Domi. So, I, I'm really... I mean, I know we have hockey to play. I mean, I, I don't think either of us thinks the Canadians are going to win. But I'm honestly more curious to see how the offseason is going to go, with how these contracts are going are to play out, with, whether it's free agents or RFAs. I just... I'd be weary to, to give big money to anyone right now, honestly. No, I, I mean, definitely. I mean, all the, all the teams, you know, are definitely in in a bit of a weird situation right now with the salary cap going to stay, stay um, pretty level for the next, for this year and probably for the next couple of years. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see, but I mean, the Canadians are definitely in a, in a good position, but they're going to have to use that cap space wisely. And I mean, even for a guy that like Taylor Hall, that I mean, is going to be an extremely coveted free agent by far, probably the, the most coveted free agent coming up and a guy that, I mean, any team would love to love to have, love to get on their team. I mean, even him, it's it's going to be uncertain, you know, what sort of a market there's going to be for him. And there's going to be very, probably very few teams that can afford him. They're probably going to be pre- pretty hesitant to offer him a long-term deal at, at big money. So, I mean, and that, and we're talking about Taylor Hall. If, yeah. if you take a look at Max Omi, who had a, not the best season this year, he's yeah, we're not talking not about the get... same caliber player at all. And, and, and if no, anything, exactly. a guy like Taylor Hall might be what, uh, Benjamin is looking at because Benjamin might be one of the the one GMs that is able to offer Taylor Hall the kind of money he wants. But if this is obviously hypothetical, who knows what the Canadians are even going to do as far as offering Hall money? But and free agents, as we know, almost never signed in Montreal. But if it were to happen, then that is the final nail in the coffin of of Max Domi as a Montreal Canadian, I think, because there's no way you sign Taylor Hall for the big money he's going to want and then have the money to give something to Domi again, and then you have no more money left and the defense is still what it was last year, you know. So that's, a, I mean, that would be a huge. I, I wouldn't be surprised going into the off season if if no contract is offered to Domi until we kind of see free agency pan out because Belgevin wants to know if he's able to make the big signature. We know he tries to make every year, but unfortunately fails to do. Yeah, I mean, it'll, it'll definitely be interesting to see. And yeah, I, I think it probably makes sense. I mean, if if he is going to make a run at Taylor Hall. Um, you know, you'll have to see what happens with that before they go and sign Max Domi. Um, I, mean, I, I think there's could... person. There's no doubt he's going to make a run at it. He makes a run on every big free agent. Honestly, <laughs> he tries with every single one of them, or at the very least, he makes it seem like he does. Yeah. No, so it's it's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be there. Like the rumors are gonna be there, and there's gonna be no movement. He's gonna, and if he fails, we're gonna have a press conference saying he tried his best. And then we're going to sign Max Domi. I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Max Domi is like a backup plan to a Taylor Hall kind of thing in Benjamin's eyes. Because he's for sure going to try. He's for sure, He tries every time. Every single time. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he probably, I mean, it, it, it definitely makes a lot of sense, especially with the with the few teams that will actually be able to afford him this time, this time around. So, I mean, it definitely makes sense. And then, you know, Max Domi, it'll, it's going to be interesting to see what sort of, uh, you know, what sort of price tag will be on 
on him um, if he does re-sign with the Canadians. But I think regardless if the Canadians sign Taylor Hall or not, Max Domi is going to be on the trading block. And if I agree, yeah. you know, if, if there's a deal opportunity to move him for that left defenseman that we've been sorely missing the last uh, two or three years, then it definitely makes sense. Uh, I, I definitely would uh, would definitely agree with all all that there. So and the the, the next uh, point to talk about here is uh, who is going to be the big contract we're talking about next year, uh, which is uh, Philip Dano, who didn't get nominated for the Selkie. Yeah, I think a lot of Habs fans were hoping that might happen. I, I think it's going to happen uh, uh, one day. He, he's getting more and more recognition. Uh, at the end of the day, it's not like he got snubbed because of undeserving players. We have a Patrice Bergeron, we have Sean Couturier, and we have Ryan O'Reilly. Three very deserving uh, nominees. I mean, it's 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 a tough class, but a lot of reporters that have a vote are saying that they put a vote in in, in the top five for Philippe Deneau, and I love hearing that because he deserves that recognition. He's probably one of the most unsung players in the NHL right now. Oh, he definitely is, and I mean, yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not really surprised. Maybe a little bit disappointed, but I'm not surprised that he didn't get nominated. I mean, I think like like you mentioned, I mean, the three guys that were nominated: Bergeron, O'Reilly. And um, uh, Couturier, they're obviously three great options. I don't think Dano necessarily deserves it more than any of those three guys. Like you mentioned, I mean, it, it was good to see. You saw Ray Ferraro saying that uh, that he had you know third, and Craig Button said that he had him fifth. So he is starting to get that recognition. And uh, I mean, this sort of touches on one of the Twitter questions that we got from uh, Etienne Ferlin asking what's uh, well first of all he said that he thinks in the next two to three years that dano will finally get nominated and i definitely agree with that um, but the question was what um what does dano have to add to his game to uh to, to be in consideration or to get nominated to be one of those uh one of the top three and i don't really think there's necessarily anything that he has to add to his game i think it's just a matter of of being recognized um he is starting to get that recognition um which which is great and you know, it's it's just unfortunate there's that there's three probably better options than uh, than Dano out there at this point. But I, you know, I think it's he just has to keep playing the way that he is playing, and he's well, going. I to think the big thing game. is more how because for this how this trophy goes, it's how a bit how the team performs. If the Canadians kind of turn the corner and become more of a competitive team, and then all of a sudden we have uh we have players uh we we have opportunities opportunities we're making a run for the cup we're making a run for the playoffs at the very least that's when you're going to get more eyes on daniel more teams real more like reporters that have the votes or what have you realizing how much of an asset he is to canadians because if the canadians do become a bit more of a competitive team daniel is going to be a major part of that happening and i think that's when he's going to start getting that recognition yeah, that, that's probably a good point that maybe, you know, maybe that did play um, into it a little bit. And, you know, maybe when the Canadians, hopefully in two or three years, when they when they do start to hopefully become a, a cup contender, then maybe his name will be in there a little bit more. But, um, you know, I think he's already starting to get that, that more and more recognition. He, I still think he's one of the most underappreciated players, overlooked players in the NHL. And, and slowly but surely that's starting to no longer be the case. And I think it's just a matter of time before he starts getting the recognition that he deserves. Because you look at the teams that were nominated. First of all, you have the two top teams in the, in the conference in Boston and St. Louis uh, for Bergeron and, uh, and O'Reilly. And then you have Couturier, who's on the, the Flyers, who were, were having a great year, who are first, fourth in the East. I don't think there's any coincidence there. Uh, I, I think that's a big reason why uh, those are the players that are being looked at. If let's say for whatever reason the Flyers had an off year, Canadians had a big year. Even if the two players, Daniel and Couturier, had equal kind of seasons going, 
like the same as they've had already. But let's say you flip the, the two teams in the standings. I wouldn't be surprised if all of a sudden you see Dano take his place there. Because it, it comes with it, right? So so many, especially old school hockey writers, believe in the defensive forward and all that, and and it's it's a key to winning. And I, I feel like for a lot of people, if you're going to be considered one of the best shutdown centers in the in the in the, in the league, you kind of have to have the winning team behind it, right? Yeah, no, I think that probably makes sense, and I think you see that with a lot of the awards too, right? Absolutely. I mean, you know, even like the, well, I mean, obviously it's not the same as the Hart Trophy, but I mean, the Hart Trophy is, is, is sort of the same thing where, you know, you're typically not going to see a player who played for a team that didn't make the playoffs win the Hart Trophy or at least get, you know, typically less consideration. So, I mean, I think maybe that did play into it um, to a certain point, but uh, I mean, you know, hope, hopefully next year he gets more votes and hopefully, you know, like Sian said in the next two or three years, hopefully he will get that nomination that he deserves. All right, so moving on from uh, from that, so like to, now that we're talking about, then I'm, I touched on it a bit before, uh, but uh, as I'm, the other big news coming out of camp today is we have a, a handful of players that are practicing separately. So it's Danu, Kale Fleury, Mete, Ryan Paling, and Caden Primo, uh, all skating uh, before the main uh, group, and uh, the the reason being given is precautionary reason reasons, and none of them are injured. So. Obviously, everyone's thinking it has to do uh, with COVID-19 or something along those lines. It, it, it's a bit of an odd situation. It, it's I don't know if I agree with the NHL's policy of not being necessarily more transparent, just because it just creates more people are just speculating now instead, right? So is that helping anything that we're, people are just trying to guess? Because people are going to guess. It's going to happen. Yeah, regardless, if you see players you know, practicing – on the side or whatever, that's going to be the conclusion that fans and media are going to come to. Um, it's certainly, it's been for a few days that actually these guys have, have trained separately. It, uh, it's, it's definitely a weird situation. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's tough to speculate. I mean, you, you would think it's precautionary. Obviously you would have to think that obviously they're not injured. Um, maybe it has to do with, you know, maybe it's COVID related. I, I don't think they're, they're sick. Um, you know, obviously at, at that point they probably wouldn't be playing, but maybe. Well, no, here's been... the thing. If they tested positive, they wouldn't be allowed to be there. So for it's... sure they haven't tested positive. That, that, that we know for sure. Now, have they been tested and they're waiting on results and they're kind of being, taking some extra precautions while we're waiting on results? But then if that's what's happening, what if only one or two of the five are, like, end up testing positive, but then the other three the test negative well they've been now been practicing with the two that tested positive so it doesn't really make a lot of sense if you're thinking some of them might have it then why aren't they completely isolating but then if they're not completely isolated then you don't think they have it so, so like it's it's a little confusing like i just wish we had more information instead of just playing the guessing game with it here yeah definitely i mean it, it would be nice to know you know to, to have a little bit more certainty but i mean obviously that's that's we're not going to get that um with the nhl i mean they're they're being pretty tight-lipped about everything that's going on right now and, and i think understandably so but um i mean hopefully you know we'll see we'll find out more over the next couple of days and i mean hopefully these these guys are going to be good to go for when the you know when the when hockey does start up and in, in what a week and a half from now i mean you just don't want them to end up but you don't want anyone to end up uh end up being sick right so if if it is a case of uh, of of one of them uh, we end up finding out they have uh, a positive test, then the worry starts to be well, is there more? 
than that. I mean, there, there, there was uh, the report today that uh, in the NHL overall, the, the cases went, uh, there, there was almost no cases reported recently. So, uh, so, so, so that's good news. It seems like teams are, uh, maybe it's because of these type of, of like, seemingly extra precautions that it's uh it's it's not uh, happening i i just wish the nhl be more transparent sometimes uh, other leagues are being more transparent with it and i i don't know what it is about the nhl and keeping everything so tight to the vest and not sharing any information and just you're be- i think you're better off in in this modern world of social media and of, of, of everyone getting the information right away the second they practice separately from everyone Everyone who's a Habs fan knows about it. It's it's just it's out there. So instead of having all this speculation and people like you and me talking about it on a podcast, just tell us what's going on, and it's probably going to be not as bad than the guessing games people are playing. Yeah, no, uh, I mean for sure. You know, it's a it sucks that you know everyone's everyone's speculating like this. I mean, especially here in Montreal, obviously that's that's going to be the case. You know, with hockey coming back, that's it, that all everybody wants to talk about. Um, so as soon as you see players on the sideline, I mean, that's, that's, you know, for, that's going to be the first thing that comes to mind, but, uh, I mean, hopefully, you know, we'll see them all on the ice in a week and a half and, uh, and, you know, we won't have to worry about this anymore. All right. So, so moving on from that, the, another headline I thought was uh, very interesting. And we talked about a few, we talked about it last week and again this week, how one of the bright, few bright spots for the Canadians, uh, this year was, uh, Nick Suzuki. I would say the other bright spot for me was that, what was it? Two weeks or three weeks of Kovalchuk being a Montreal Canadian and being an electric player again. Uh, so I mean, it, it, it's it's I'll remember this season for the for many reasons, but Kovalchuk is going to be one of them. He was really and he said he really he wants the Capitals to play Montreal in the playoffs. He just he just said that off the cuff because he misses Montreal still. He misses us. He wants to come back. He's going to be a big free agent signing when the, the Taylor Hall undoubtedly decides to sign somewhere else. Kovalchuk is going to come back, and we're going to give him too much money for two years, but it's going to be so much fun. I mean, definitely. I mean, obviously, he has such a high impact on, you know, which was, when, when he came here, it was already pretty much a lost season anyway. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, he obviously, you know, injected a lot of fun, a lot of excitement into the Canadians and into the fan base. And he, you know, like you said, I mean, he seemed to love playing here, which is not always the case. I mean, it's it's not the environment that, that some players want to play in. And I mean, when you have a guy like that, like Kovalchuk, that really, really embraces playing under the pressure that is Montreal, then I mean, if we can bring him back, I mean, I think it makes a lot of sense. Obviously, it has to be with the right money and the right deal and everything. But I mean, if I mean he the, wants the term to come is back, the big thing for me with yeah. Kovalchuk, right? You don't want to give him too many years. No, exactly. I mean, he is, uh, I think, 37 years old. So, you, uh, I mean, obviously, you don't want to give him too much, uh, too much term. I mean, not. I, I don't think I'd want to give him more than a year. But, um, I mean, I, I think, it, I think it definitely makes sense. I mean, you see what, what kind of output, offensive output, did he put up last season with the Canadians? And I mean, it, it just makes a lot of sense to bring him back. And I mean, I'm sure he would love to play against the Canadians. I don't, I don't think too many of us think the Canadians, unfortunately, are going to get past the Penguins. But, uh, but I mean, it would certainly be exciting to see them play the, uh, play the Capitals. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it would be uh, exciting, but uh, I mean, it's so weird. I've never not wanted that to win uh, so much, uh, honestly. <laughs> but uh, I mean, we'll uh, we'll see what happens. But it was just good to hear a player like like Kovalchuk uh, still kind of feel that way about uh, about Montreal. And for, it seems like he has a lot of uh, Russian players respect Kovalchuk a lot. So 
there's always the the thought of like you you'd like to know that if someone like Kovalchuk will will have positive things to say about Montreal in the future if there are players that maybe you know want to sign from the KHL and all that it might it might help Montreal moving forward with those types of uh, those types of things so that's that's always a good thing too and uh, last thing here before we get into the Eric Engels uh, interview I believe you had one more Twitter question. Yeah, so there's one more Twitter question. Um, so this was from Tom on Twitter, at uh, Lears Cove. Uh, so the question is, um, so what is the likely scenario for Tatar and, uh, and Petrie? Um, do, do, do we think they're going to re-sign, be traded, or just walk at the end of, their, at the end of next season? Um, so, I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, first of all, Jeff Petrie, I think the Canadians really don't have um, any anyone to replace him at this point. I mean, Fleury and Juleson, of course, are right-handed defensemen as well. I don't think, at least right now, either one of them, unless you know maybe they have an amazing uh, postseason here and, and an amazing next season, I don't think either one of them are, are ready to step into a top-four role. But I think Jeff Petrie is a guy that the Canadians definitely have to re-sign. I think he's really underrated, um, especially by a lot of the Canadians fans. Uh, I think he gets a lot more hate than he should. And, uh, you know, I think he likes it here um obviously i mean he's re-signed here once he's been here now for i think five or six years so i mean i think if the canadians can bring him back a decent term and a, and a de- decent amount then i i think he would be a no-brainer for the canadians to resign i mean that, that makes a lot of sense uh to me uh, honestly i mean the the defense is already somewhere that, that struggles uh you'd like the defense to be a bit younger the key pieces to be younger but we, we've seen how hard it's been to, to fill the void on the left side. It's not going to be any easier to fill it on the right side if we were to get rid of Jeff Petrie. I mean, Shea Weber's only uh, getting older. That Trying our best to hold on to Jeff Petrie makes uh, a lot of sense to me. And I do get the impression, like you said, that he likes it here and he's going to want to stick around. Uh, so so hopefully that's the case and we can sign him on a, on a, on a reasonable contract. As for Tatar, as much as I do love Tatar in Montreal... Uh, I mean, I, I would you would think going in, it all depends next year how the the, the, the team's doing, right? Whether or not come the trade deadline, if the, the teams are uh, a seller or a buyer or just a kind of stand pat with what you've got kind of team. Um, I think there's a good chance they're going to be sellers again. In that in that case, I think Tatar would have to to be moved. Uh, but if it's a situation where the Canadians have potentially a chance. I don't think we'll. I'd be shocked if the Canadians are buyers at the deadline, but I could see the Canadians being in a position where they want to hold on to their guys like Tatar and Petrie because they want to make their run. So they're 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 kind of they're the trade buys for them is to not sell. I could see that being a possibility, but after the next season, I don't see Tatar really staying. I don't think we're resigning him unless he's he's interested in signing a very team friendly deal. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think, you know, similar to Petra, I think he loves playing here as well. He likes the environment. Um, I mean, he's he's been great the whole time that he's been with the Canadians. I mean, I think he's played even a little bit over his head, to be honest. Yeah. Um, it's. It, I mean, I think it, it'd be great to keep him, but I think at the end, you know, like you said, the Canadians most likely are going to be sellers at the end of next season or well, you know, during, during the playoff, well, during, during the playoff stretch or whatever, it's a trade deadline. Um, so if they are, it's probably going to be hard to not trade him because they could probably, depending on how he plays next season, could probably mm-hmm. get a pretty good return for him. Um, but yeah, I think he's a lot easier to replace than Petrie. Um, I mean, I think you know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the Canadians' potential run at Taylor Hall, what they do with Max Domi as well. Do they move him or do they keep him? Because that, that's going to have a big, a big say in what they do end up doing with the TAR as well. 
absolutely. Just, they, that, that changes everything for sure. You know, if, yeah. So, I mean, it, I think, you know, if they don't sign Hall and they do end up moving Max Domi, then maybe the chance of seeing Tatar back is, is a little bit better because they probably, you know, they wouldn't really have anyone to replace him on the left wing aside from maybe the wing. But, um, yeah, I think I think Tatar probably his next season is going to be his last season with the Canadians. I mean that that makes a lot of sense to me actually now now that you mention it though that if if, it, if there is a situation where they don't get that big signing in a guy like Hall and a guy like uh and and then we end up moving Max Domi like we think might might happen for for help on defense then maybe they try to hold on to Tatar and the thing is is I wouldn't because Tatar with Tatar he had a, a solid stretch of of, of years to, to begin his career with the with Detroit then he got traded to Vegas and had a horrible experience in Vegas right he he. He kind of just ended up on a team where he didn't fit well. His coach seemingly didn't love him. Didn't get playing time despite being on the team that did a that went for a cup run. And then it, it flipped in Montreal. He kind of he kind of got his career back in Montreal. So I wouldn't be surprised if he if he wants to stay in Montreal. And then if he does want to stay in and, and wants to sign a, a a fair contract with the Canadians, I, I can see them uh, keeping them. I mean, there the, there's nothing uh, the that that Dano Tatar Gallagher line. I don't see it. It, it the way they play. They just it's just smart hockey, and I can see it being a consistent line for for a long time. So although I do think he's more likely to leave, now that you mentioned that, if we depending on what happens in the next few months with with Domi, if we sign someone else, he he might end up. Uh, we might end up re-signing him. That, that, I think that could be a possibility too, uh, for sure. It's, it's just hard to say now. It just really depends on what what else happens on with the roster. Exactly. And I mean, especially with the salary cap, if it's it's going to stay, um, you know, stagnant the next season as well, then, you know, the the market's probably going to be pretty dried up again for Tatar. So he might not get the money that he's hoping to get. And if he's willing to sign a club club friendly deal, you know, then uh, then then I mean, I'd be all for it. Definitely. If we could bring him back on a good deal, it it would make sense, I think, for him and for the Canadians. All right, so that pretty much uh, does it for uh, this week's episode, but we still have a, another interview, this time with Eric Engel. So do you want to talk a bit about uh, what you talked about in the interview? That's great. I mean, it was a great, great interview. Eric's a great guy. I mean, talking about, you know, he obviously offered us a great um, view of sort of what's going on right now, um, you know, inside the uh, inside the bubble or inside the training camp. So, I mean, it, it was great to see his his view as you know from an insider and uh, and really tell us how some of the players are uh, how the players are sort of dealing with it, what he sees for some of the young guys, and what he sees for the matchup uh, coming up against the Penguins. So it was definitely a, an amazing interview. Uh, we definitely really appreciate it, and uh, definitely give it a listen, guys. Yeah, it was a fantastic interview. So uh, really, don't miss it. And uh, I'm going to be out of Montreal next week, but I think we have figured out this recording remotely thing. So we'll do our best to get an episode in next week. We're we're getting a lot closer to to some actual hockey uh, being played. So it's uh, it's getting exciting. We'll uh, we'll talk again next week. All right. So I'm joined here by Eric Engels from Sportsnet. Thank you very much for joining us today, Eric. So, uh, so obviously the big uh, the big news now is camp getting underway with the current COVID situation. It's, it's really not like any other camp. Um, so, w- as far as as far as you, do you have any restrictions compared to what you usually would like access to players and coaches compared to what a, a normal training camp would be? Oh yeah, big time. I mean, first of all, we're not allowed anywhere near any of those people, so that's a huge difference. And you know, it's a huge difference that I've been grappling with is we've been going through the last four months in the 
adjusted. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a, it's definitely a new world right now with the with the current situation. Um, from from conversations that you've had with with players and coaches, if you have had to, had a chance to talk to them, uh, what what is their mindset right now? Do do like is is the mindset good? Are they excited about what's what about what's happening? Or are they, are they a little concerned about the uh, about the current situation? No, definitely. I mean, especially with the situation right now, players have been off for quite a few months. Um, it's, I mean, the playoffs in general are sort of a crapshoot. I mean, you, you know, the, you can always expect the unexpected, but especially now, like you said, I mean, it's it's a whole different landscape. What what do you think some of the key um, the, the the key points for the Canadians to have a chance to beat the Penguins are going to be heading into the series?
The Penguins, of course, I mean, one of the big concerns heading into the series against the Penguins is that one-two punch at center. Obviously, I mean, one of the, the, the probably the best one-two punch in center right now in the NHL, probably the last decade. Uh, Philip Deneau, of course, is going to be a big uh, key in shutting them down. But, of course, they're going to need a, a second-line center as well. Looks right now like it could potentially be Nick Suzuki. What do you think about Nick Suzuki filling that role of potentially you know, going up against a guy like Crosby or Malkin? I think everything we've seen from Nick Suzuki from the day he was traded to Montreal to current to what we're going to see moving forward is a gradual and steady improvement. And the experience that he will gain um, in being thrust into that role, because regardless of whether or not Max Domi plays, um, he's going to face off quite a bit against Sidney Crosby and against Evgeny Malkin. And, you know, if you're going to point to one thing that enables him to 
definitely. I mean, the, he, he's especially with the left side right now, the Canadians, I mean, obviously not their strong suit. Ben Chirot, like you said, he's going to have to step in right away and, and be a key, and, and, and play like he did near the end of the season. Um, you mentioned Weber. Um, he mispracticed the, uh, earlier this week. Is there any, any concern there that, that he might miss some time? Well, that's good news. I mean, he's certainly going to be a big, uh, big key to the Canadian success here in the playoffs, especially against the Penguins. Um, uh, obviously, a player that uh, that, the, that all Habs fans are going to be taking a look at here is going to be Esperi Kukiniemi. Um, he's because of the injury injuries that he's had this season. Of course, he didn't necessarily live up to expectations this season. Regressed a little bit from the from the season prior. Um, what have you seen? By all accounts, though, it looks like he's playing a lot better. Or he's looking a lot better. How do you how do you see his progression so far uh, in camp? Well, here's what I think is interesting, and I don't know if I can discuss progression, but uh, here's here's what is interesting. I, like many other members of the media, came to training camp on day one, um, very much focused on wanting to get a good look at this Barry Kakiniemi, but just than anybody else on the ice. I was really curious as to what he was going to look like, obviously rehabilitated from the spleen injury, and I was curious as to what he's been doing over the last number of months. As we saw pictures emerge, he clearly looked 
hockey league and, and guide these players through at times because you, you're, this is not a development league. This is this is the National Hockey League. You're expected to be a professional performing at the height of your abilities, and when you're not, you're not always going to get you know a lot of hand holding and explanations and oh, this is why we didn't use you in this situation. You got to figure it out and fend for yourself, and that can be tough for a player that's 18 and 19 and 20, and inevitably you learn that hey. I, I got to do this for myself. Anyway, it's a long-winded answer to give you here, but that's that's kind of where I'm at with Cockney and, and that whole situation. Yeah, he definitely had had some downs um, last season, but uh, I mean, he he definitely shows like showed that he you know that he's taking it to heart, and and it looks like he's working really hard. So I mean, hopefully, he can use this as a fresh start and and sort of you know springboard it springboard the rest of his career here. Um, Eric, I, I know you're busy. I don't want to keep you any longer. Um, so we really appreciate this. Thanks a lot for coming on, Eric. Thanks for having me.